Xenos invaders. They came from the dark places between the stars, from the abyss into which even the Emperor's angels fear to gaze. Monstrous in form, endless in number, the swarm descended to devour all. The Xenos threat. Multitudinous are the Xenos that inhabit the galaxy, and all are hated and reviled by the Imperium. Some have been a thorn in humanity's side since the first colonies beyond Terra were settled. Others have only been encountered in recent years. Some have sector-spanning empires, others dwell only on a single world. It matters not whether Eldari, Orc, Tyranid, Tau, or Necron. All are a dire threat to the Imperium of Man. The Eldari once ruled the galaxy, their vast empire spanning its entirety. Such was their technological mastery that stars lived and died at their whim and worlds dedicated to their pleasure were created. Their incredible technologies made them masters of war, able to defeat even the most terrible foes. Yet, everything the Eldari had ever created came crashing down in the cataclysm known as the Fall, which annihilated much of their race and completely destroyed their empire. Some of those few imperial scholars with knowledge of the period believe that this disastrous event caused the manifestation of the chaos god Slanesh, and that this warp entity has hunted the Eldari ever since, its appetite for their souls insatiable. The terrible calamity of the fall fragmented and scattered the Eldari race into a number of disparate factions, each battling to escape the embrace of she who thirsts, or fight back in one way or another. In the millennia since, these responses have come to define the cultures and martial traditions of these societies. Although but fractal reflections of their race's former glory, the craft-world-dwelling Asuriani, the murderous Drakari, the enigmatic Harlequins, and the newly-emerged Inari are significant players on the galactic stage. The Necrons, a race of deathless androids from the prehistory of the galaxy, spent tens of millions of years in hibernation until the days of the 41st millennium. Glistening phalanxes of metal warriors, accompanied by taloned-limbed horrors, spectral assassins, and esoteric battle engines, emerge from long-forgotten tombs. Such are the hosts led by the Necron Lords who are bent on reclaiming ancient empires and pursuing feuds millions of years old. 
while the behavior of Awoken Tomb Worlds varies, the majority are highly aggressive, launching anything from small-scale raids to genocidal actions against enemies on their planets and further afield. Such hostility has brought the Necrons into conflict with all of the galaxy's major races. Orcs are a plague upon the stars, an endless green tide of brutish beasts that thrive on war, fighting, violence, and killing. So numerous and dangerous are they that should the entire race be united into a single force, Imperial researchers believe that they could conquer the entire galaxy. Fortunately for the Imperium, orcs are as likely to fight each other as any other species. And there is virtually no other form of Xenos that has not fought long, bloody wars against the Greenskin Menace. The Eldari of Craftworld Biltan hold a particular hatred for them seeing their presence on any world as a tenacious infection. The Tau, after failed attempts at assimilating the orcs into their empire, declared them unworthy of such an honor, and established numerous protocols and defenses to contain further greenskin assaults on their domain. Many look upon the orcs with disdain, and misjudge the threat they and their ramshackle vehicles, driven with unconcealed joy by their maniacal drivers, pose. Orcish ingenuity has proven itself in battle time and time again. However, and the death toll for underestimating the greenskins is incalculable. Totally committed to their ideal of the greater good, or Tau Va, the Tau are a young, technologically sophisticated, and ambitious race determined to share their creed with the rest of the galaxy. Such an ideology has led them to establish contact with numerous species. Those that do not join them are destroyed and the Tau Fire Warriors have gained much experience cleansing new colony worlds of their inhabitants. The Tau's short but noteworthy history tells of rapid expansion from their home world in the Eastern Fringe, enabled by extremely advanced technology, formidable battlesuits, and constant innovation. They have already fought many wars against the Imperium, disabusing humanity of the preconception that the Tau are just another short-lived upstart empire. The Tyranids are a Xenos race totally driven by consuming all life in the galaxy, coming from beyond the intergalactic void. Traversing these stars in vast, living hive fleets their invasion swarms descend upon any worlds in their path with a single deadly purpose, to feed. Each and every Tyranid bioform and weapon is a highly evolved organism with a singular purpose for which it is perfectly suited. 
Where these creatures from beyond the stars go, nothing but dead worlds stripped of every cell of biomass are left behind. The Tyranids care not for the nature of what they consume, and countless species have been eradicated by them. The vast genetic resource accumulated by the high fleets in wars against the Imperium, Orcs and Eldarn, have all contributed to the adaptation and spawning of different specialized bioforms, only making the Tyranids even more dangerous. Stowing away on Imperial ships, Tyranid gene stealers infiltrate human worlds with the intention of infecting as many of the planet's population with alien genetic structures as possible. The cults that form around these gene stealers are insidious and remain hidden, all the while infiltrating the local governments and sabotaging communications and supplies. The cults themselves are psychic beacons that draw Tyranid Hive fleets to the planet. When they arrive, the cultists welcome them as gods descending from the heavens to save them, rising against their former imperial overlords. Such a rebellion wreaks havoc and destabilizes the world's leadership and military, making it easy pickings for the Tyranids' endless swarms. Countless Xenospecies swarm between the stars, and new threats to the Imperium are identified all the time. Inimical species such as the hyperviolent Bargassi and the chronomatic crud, parasites like the Enslavers, the Chitterix, or the Forpex, even mercenary races such as the Crude, the Serpentine Slith, or the repugnant Moktori bone eaters, all fight for survival and conquest amidst the endless galactic war. Craft World Eldari. Since the cataclysmic event known as the Fall, the Osiriani have plied the stars in vast space vessels known as Craft Worlds. Once ruling an empire spanning the length and breadth of the galaxy, these Eldari represent but a fragment of their former power. Nonetheless, they are a proud people who fight their war for survival with immense skill and wondrous technology. A dying race, the Asuyani have been in perpetual decline since the fall. In the 41st millennium, the Asuyani are amongst the least numerous of the Imperium's foes. Despite this, their incomparable grasp of psychic power, long lives enabling decades of military training, highly advanced technology, and ruthless determination to survive make them incredibly deadly enemies. When Asuyani warhosts strike, they do so from hidden webway portals or from their craft world's sleek 
and elegant warships. With such few numbers relative to those of other major players on the galactic stage, the Yasuyani commit to battle only to achieve the greatest results while minimizing their losses. They give no warning when they strike, and the motivations behind their attacks are near impossible for their enemies to determine. They make offers of allegiance without warning also, often disguised as a hidden blade. More than one Imperial garrison has found itself beset by foes before being relieved by graceful Altharan warriors and war machines, only then to be turned upon by those who were their saviors shortly before. All such acts contribute to a reputation for unpredictability and perfidiousness. For the Eldari and a select few of the Imperium who have learned of their ways, the reality is very different. Every act of war is carefully decided based on a detailed reading of the Skians of Fate, debated at length by Council of Farseers, warlocks, and senior military leaders. Many disparate craft worlds sail the stars, each an independent entity with its own beliefs, culture, and way of war. Oathway is known for its formidable seers and ceaseless fight against chaos. Biotan is highly aggressive, deploying large numbers of aspect warriors to destroy new human colonies, burgeoning orc infestations, and other incursions by lesser races. More than any other, Eandin commits the souls of its dead to war in wraithbone constructs, having been terribly bloodied by the Tyranids of Hive Fleet Kraken. Same Han's aggressive Windrider hosts have perfected fighting from the saddles of their lightning-fast jet bikes. Lyotok's numerous outcasts act as its eyes and ears, and its warriors have been identified engaging the soulless androids of the Necrons on multiple worlds. The Asuryani have developed the Path System, in which they each dedicate a portion of their life to a single discipline before taking on another. Though harsh, this system prevents the slide into excess all Eldari are vulnerable to. Although many of the paths are civilian in nature, for example those of the poet, potter, artist, and musician, a good number are martial. The path of the warrior has an irresistible lure to almost all Osuyani and those who choose to follow it join a temple dedicated to a single aspect of Cain, the Eldari god of war. These aspect warriors form the backbone of the craft world armies, each squad performing a dedicated role. Fire dragons are experts in anti-tank combat. They are fusion guns capable of melting through the thickest armor with ease. Striking scorpions slip in and out of cover 
as they silently advance to rip their enemies apart with chain swords. Crimson Hunters race overhead at supersonic speeds, dominating the skies with their craft's deadly laser weapons. Dark Reapers, Howling Banshees, Shining Spears, Warp Spiders, Dire Avengers, Swooping Hawks, all and more are found on Eldari craft worlds and play an essential part in their race's war for survival. In their lifetime, many Eldari return to the path of the warrior multiple times before taking the path of command. Such Asuyani are called Autarchs and lead their Craftworld's armies in the field. The Aspect Warriors do not always number enough for the task at hand. So few are the Asuyani that they train each of their citizens in the craft of war. Known as Guardians, these squads of militia are still highly skilled warriors. While often fighting on foot, they are also expert riders of Windrider and Viper jet bikes, skilled in aggressive reconnaissance as Warwalker pilots, and bringers of death from afar as support weapon crew. Not least, they pilot the engines of all the Osiryani's elegant and deadly anti-grav tanks and transports. Shielded wave serpents race to deliver their cargo of warriors to the front lines. Night spinners launch clouds of lethal monofilament fire that saturate the battlefield with death. And fire prisms unleash hugely powerful lasers capable of piercing armor as easily as a shuriken slices bare flesh. Every Asuryani wears a spirit stone on their person. Its purpose to capture their essence in the moment of their death, so that it does not fall into Slanesh's open maw. Once secured, their spirit is released into the Infinity Circuit, the psychic matrix that runs through the core of every craft world. This not only ensures an afterlife for the Asuryani, but allows the living to commune with the dead. In times of war, however, spirit stones are often placed in huge wraithbone constructs to power them. Even the smallest wraithguard and wraithblade looms over the living Eldari warriors around them, with the gigantic wraithlords twice the size again and gargantuan wraith knights as tall as an imperial knight. Combined, these ghost warriors form wraith hosts, implacable walls of psychoplastic armed with some of the most fearsome weapons in the Eldari arsenal. Under the peerless command of an Altarach, and guided by the future reading power of the Farseers, together the various Asuryani hosts fight with a power greater than the sum of their parts. Each individual and squad fit into carefully laid plans seamlessly. Every swift strike, nimble withdrawal, and onslaught of deadly accurate fire perfectly carried out to inflict as much damage as possible in the shortest time. Drakari. The Drakari are sadistic killers 
who feed off the despair, anguish, and suffering of their victims. Rapacious slavers, they raid their unsuspecting enemies with lightning speed before vanishing back to their lairs in Kamarath, the twisted nether city that lurks in the darkest corners of the webway. The wise fear the dark city of Kamarath and its twisted inhabitants. Sheltered in the webway since before the fall, the Drakari have thrived on violence, decadence, depravity, and excess. As time has drawn on, they have only grown more addicted to each in their drive to stave off death and an eternity of unbearable torment in the clutches of she who thirsts. Arrogance is a trait found in all Drakari, from the most inexperienced Kabbalite to the wizened Archon who recalls life before the fall. Having survived this catastrophe practically unscathed, the Kamarites felt little of the humbling imposed upon their Osirnari kin. Seeing no real decline in their strength or power, such a concept as repentance is practically unknowable to them. In no small part due to this, the Drakari feel no shame or concern in the seizing of billions of slaves from lesser races, and inflicting unspeakable horror upon them to feed their insatiable lust for extreme acts of perversion, decadence, and torture. Amarag has always been a city of obscene wealth, shameless excess, and bloody internal strife, and this has only grown worse since the Drakari learned that such things are sufficient to deny she who thirsts their souls and grant them everlasting life. The great diversity of Eldari characters that were drawn to Kamarag's unique delights and experiences before the fall has since evolved as the Dark City's needs have changed, and many warring factions have emerged, each tailoring its activities to the demands of Kamarag's vast population. With the Dark City having access to hidden webway gates on thousands of planets throughout the galaxy, the Drakari are able to raid, slaughter, and plunder at will. Since the emergence of the Great Rift, or Dathidian as it's known to the Eldari, many worlds thought impregnable are now vulnerable something that Drakari of all stripes have not hesitated to exploit to its furthest extent. Resembling criminal gangs, militant cartels, and noble households, the armies of the Cabals are amongst the most recognizable Drakari. Clad in sleek bladed armor, their devilish raids are commanded by Archons and made at enormous speeds. Their warriors mounted in gravity-defying flocks of barb-proud raiders and venom transports. Even as the vessels descend from the skies, the Kabbalites' splinter weapons spit torrents of crystal shards that subject their targets to hideous pain. Every scream is sweet music to the Kabbalites, 
You revel in the thrill of the hunt, the torment they cause, demonstrating their superiority over the galaxy's lesser races while partaking in debaucherous murder. Their raids yield countless millions of slaves with each passing day, sold in Comorog's vast flesh markets to be subjects for sick experiments, worked to death in choking and hellish weapon factories, or tormented, their drawn-out end giving untold pleasure and great sustenance to their buyers. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of cabals vying for supremacy in Kamarok, each with their own agendas and styles of warfare. The Cabal of the Blackheart is the greatest and oldest of its kind, and the personal army of Astrabal Vect, supreme overlord of Kamarok, the Crimson Armored Cabal of the Flayed Skull are noted for their mastery of aerial combat. The Cabal of the Obsidian Rose's perfectly crafted weaponry is the envy of all in Kamarag. The Cabal of the Poisoned Tongue is notorious for its skill in the art of infiltration, even amongst their duplicitous race. No matter a cabal's idiosyncrasies, however, all must win battles and seize captives to survive. The many thousands of witch cults have evolved out of Kamarag's insatiable appetite for depraved sensations. Not every Jakari wages war in real space, feasting off the pain of the fallen, yet all need sustenance. The daily and gruesome gladiatorial combats displayed by the witch cult in their hellish arenas satisfy the masses' deep needs. Each witch is an expert in the art of death and maiming, able to extract the maximum amount of pain from every thrust of the impaler or slash of the blade. All witches thrive on competition and constantly strive to outshine their rivals and show off their mesmerizing skill. The arena is not the only place where they can do this. Many of their number relish taking to the field of battle to test their worth against the myriad monsters and creatures the galaxy holds. Supported by reavers mounted on agile jet bikes and drug-fueled hellions riding nimble skyboards, the witches cut through their foes with breathless ease as they are driven ecstatic by the suffering they cause. As with the cabals, the witches use these raids to take captives of their own. While many might be sold upon returning to Kamarag, many more are kept by the cult. Myriad beasts and species dwell throughout the galaxy, each feeling pain and expressing misery in unique ways. The witch cult endeavors to showcase unique delights to their cheering spectators, and many of their strikes into real space are set the task of seizing never-before-seen wonders to torture and slay on the sands of their gladiatorial pits. 
dwelling in dungeon strongholds in the very bowels of the dark city, the abhorrent homunculi spark dread even amongst their own kin. Yet these malevolent torturer alchemists possess the power, through eldritch science and forbidden lore, to revivify even the most brutally slain Kabbalite or witch. Jealously do the homunculi covens guard their secrets, for the denizens of the dark city will pay richly to guarantee resurrection in the event of untimely death. Not only this, but the homunculi also possess the gruesome knowledge and facilities needed to grow cloned drukari in the amniotic breeding walls of their lairs. For a species with so low a birth rate and so brutally high a tally of attrition through murder, warfare, and duplicity, this monopoly on creation makes the homunculi powerful indeed. They conduct raids for their own horrifying and hideous ends, leading armies of laboratory-created abominations when they do. Huge engines of pain, constructed from tortured flesh and metal, flawlessly obedient racks and insane grotesques, inspire terror in their enemies as they carve them apart, seizing the most intriguing of victims for their masters to take back to Kamarok. Though these traits are common to most covens, each is a unique entity. Some create ever more monstrous minions with which to further their goals. Others take great pains to lure their targets into deadly traps. Many develop the arts of fear to new and terrible heights. Comorite society is defined by cutthroat politics rivalry, treachery, and paranoia. No one Drakari can truly trust another. An offer of allegiance can easily disguise the point of a blade or the end of a splinter pistol. Every drop of wine or bite of food at a feast can contain deadly, untraceable toxins. Thus it is, thus it always shall be. The supreme overlord of the Dark City would have it no other way. By such means are his people strengthened, his rivals kept occupied, and his supremacy assured. Harlequins The Harlequins are devoted servants of Sigurraj, the Laughing God the only deity of the Eldari pantheon to survive the fall. In his name do they wage their war against the servants of Slanesh, and play their cruel tricks upon their foes. Fighters of immense speed and agility, the Harlequins make battle a lethal dance. Every leap, thrust, charge, and parry is a perfectly choreographed step designed to bring about swift death to any foe. Clad in hollow suits that turn every deft movement and graceful stride into a polychromatic blur, they leave their terrified opponents facing little more than lethal geists.
When the Harlequins choose to reveal themselves to their victims, their masks change, forming nightmarish images. Lightweight flip belts use anti-craft technology to allow their wearers to weave through dense terrain and over formidable obstacles with frightening ease in a ballet of psychedelic colors. Despite the haze that characterizes the Harlequin's every move, the kiss of their blades is undeniably real. Even facing one Harlequin on the battlefield is to fight a ghost set on causing as much mayhem as possible. To fight an entire mask is to engage in a mirage of blades and shuriken, and a riotous confusion of sound and color. Together, troops of Harlequins work in perfect severonicity. Each attack is a dance of death, a waltz of bloodshed, and everyone tells a tale from Eldari legend. Each Harlequin knows their place, the exact time to swing a blade or pull the trigger. They make war into art, although to the untrained eye, none of this is perceptible. Such is its subtlety and the skill and speed with which it is applied. The Harlequin's lightning speed on foot is supplemented by hosts of rapidly moving anti-grav vehicles and jet bikes, striking from the webway at extreme velocity. Star Weaver transports bring hosts of warriors into battle. Voidweaver gunships blast the enemy with prismatic and haywire cannons, and Skyweaver jet bikes achieve nigh-impossible feats of aerial acrobatics as they strike down foe after foe. Elite specialists lead and join the masks. Troop masters direct every move like the greatest impresario. Death jesters launch volleys of heavy shuriken seeking out key targets to bring down. And mysterious shadow seers drench the battlefield with phantasmic power to terrify and misdirect. Solitaires are such masters of combat that they can do the bloody work of entire armies with their esoteric weaponry. Through the sacrifice they have made for such abilities are horrifying to comprehend. Every troop, mask, and grand mask is unique, though they all fight Sigarak's war against Slanesh, how they do this varies. The Midnight Sorrow fight chaos more aggressively than any other. The Frozen Stars care only for the restoration of the Eldari race. The Dreaming Shadow do whatever it takes to prevent the rebirth of the Necrons. Countless others have their own agendas. To achieve their aims, they are given singular freedom to move between the Eldari factions, and have been instrumental in uniting their race when needed most. Nari, Known as the Pathless, or the Reborn, the Nari are followers of Yanin, the Eldari god of the dead. A rising force in the galaxy, they believe that through the death of every Eldari, 
you need will rise and defeat the Chaos God Slanesh forever. The Inari are made up of the Eldari from every faction of their dying race. They believe in the ancient prophecy that when the last of their peoples die, the slumbering god of the dead, Yanid, will awaken and slay Shlanesh, their most feared and hated enemy. It is also their belief that this can be achieved without the true death of their race. Thus the Asuriani, Drukhari, Harlequins, and others come together under the leadership of Yurain, the emissary of Yanid. Such diverse hosts as those fielded by the Inari fight in a unique manner, with Eldari who have never fought side by side combining their skills in deadly fashion. Kabbalite warriors unleash hails of agonizing splinters into the foe alongside Asuriani guardians launching volleys of armor-piercing shuriken. Harlequin troops perform their dances of death amongst Drakari witch cults, cutting down enemies ensnared in the witch's shard nets. Windrider jet bikes race sky reavers across the battlefield their riders whooping and laughing as they gun down enemies in droves. In addition to the impeccable warrior skills that all trained Eldari possess, as Inari they have access to energies that none of their kin elsewhere have. They can harness the power of the dead. When the Inari clash with their foes and bloodshed begins, they have the ability to siphon the souls of the slain as well as those within the spirit stones they wear to invigorate their attacks. Such an infusion enables them to fight with preternatural speed and unleash psychic powers that strike down enemies in seconds or fortify their kin. This makes them a deadly foe indeed, for should an enemy have the upper hand and slay a great mini Inari, the Eldari will only be strengthened fighting back with greater ferocity and vigor. This absorption of power makes each Inari a living horde of souls. Denying Slanesh its bounty in such a way deeply angers she who thirsts, and holding so much power within them makes each Inari a sumptuous bounty to the Chaos God. Representing gluttonous feasts as well as dangerous threats, the Inari are uniquely targeted by Slanesh, such that wherever they go, despite the hope they may offer by denying the Eldari race's greatest enemy its feast, death always follows them. Varain and her loyal bodyguard, the Visarch, are unmoved by this threat. Neither are they persuaded to abandon the quest to restore in need by those of the other factions who see them as dangerous or even tainted. With the support of invaluable allies, such as the Eldrad Ulthrin of Ulthway and Iana Arianel of Eadin, and the ability to release the immense power of the Incarni, the Avatar of a Need formed the fracturing of Bealton's Craft World's Infinity Circuit. Rain remains determined that the salvation of the Eldari race is in her god's hands. 
necrons. After 60 million years in hibernation, the android legions of the necrons rise across the galaxy. Armies of burnished steel, once dormant and hidden, march again, inexorable in their advance to restore their ancient empire. Armed with arcane technology, nigh impervious to damage, and led by maniacal overlords, few Xenos races are as terrifyingly dangerous. Aeons ago, in a time of apocalyptic war between some of the first sentient beings in the galaxy, the Necrontier sold their souls in their greed for the secret of eternal life, being born again as the Necrons. Thus did beings of flesh become beings of metal. The story of these events is shrouded in myth and allegory, even to the most ancient races. All that can be gleaned is that it was seen fit to commit the Necrons to the great sleep. Legions of warriors placed into stasis crypts alongside esoteric battle engines, ready to wake again to rebuild and reclaim. Now that they have risen, they strike out, slaying those younger races who have since settled their worlds and dispatching fleets to cleanse the stars of lesser species. The Necrons command technologies that are capable of bending the laws of physics to their will, possessing an understanding of the sciences far exceeding that of the Imperium. On the battlefield, its effects are truly devastating. Even the Goss Flayers, carried by the most rudimentary Necron warriors, unleash precision volleys of disassembling beams that can strip away almost any material to its constituent atoms in seconds, and even armored fighting vehicles are vulnerable to its fearsome power. Tesla weapons discharge bolts of living lightning that engulf the target, immolating and melting flesh and metal with equal impunity. Beam weapons use faster-than-light tectonic particles to transmute a sliver of metal into a lance of energy that simply erases the foe it strikes out of existence. When the Necrontier traded their flesh and blood bodies for cold metal forms, they exchanged all the weaknesses of mortality for the unbendable strength of the machine. Those unfortunate enough to face the Necron in battle quickly learned that their traditional tactics and weaponry are of little avail against this new foe. Steel warriors march on its lockstep, immune to the bullets and flames that would lay low near mortals. When heavy weapons are brought to bear against the Necrons, severed limbs made of living metal claw their way back together. Fallen Necron lurching back to its feet to continue its war of extermination and conquest. To witness such a harrowing sight is unsettling indeed, and is to know how hopeless resistance truly is. Those damaged beyond repair simply phase out, leaving no trace of their former presence. 
the majority of such vanished Necrons are not, in fact, destroyed. Rather, they are teleported back across time and space to their tomb complex, where arcane machineries make them ready to march to war again. Though indomitable phalanxes of steel infantry are the core around which the Necron legions pivot, other forms take their place in the sea of metal, each a deadly force in their own right. Panoptic constructs that guarded the sleeping Necrontier for millions of years turned their energies to the attack. Spiders coordinating the terror-inducing wraiths and tides of armor-crippling scarabs. Battle engines drawn from techno-armories make their presence known on the battlefield with crackling energy charges. Clouds of menacing night scythes and doom scythes dominating the skies as colossal monoliths, obelisks, and doomsday arcs creep forward relentlessly. Insane destroyer cults, motivated purely by the desire to annihilate the living, attack with blades flashing and cannons firing. Deathmarks assassinate enemy leaders after spending days hidden in pocket dimensions of reality. Most dangerous and mysterious of all are the Catan Shards. Disparate and contradictory records describe them as star gods enslaved by the Necrons before their slumber. Beings of near-unlimited power, when unleashed from their terrible prisons by the Necrons, their actions are terrifying to behold. They can manipulate the flow of time, control the minds of lesser beings, direct blasts of deadly energy, and achieve all manner of nigh-impossible feats. The lords and overlords who command these armies have woken from their slumber with much of their personality, motivations, and memories untacked, unlike their lesser subjects, most of whom had their minds mutilated by the experience. In the eyes of these rulers, the galaxy is theirs to reclaim, and the races that populate it little more than vermin to be exterminated or dust to be swept away. Though each lord and overlord's ambitions vary wildly, many have had their agendas distorted into near madness by the long passage of time. Most revolve around the accruing of power and influence. Should this mean infighting, coups, and plots, then so be it. Such behaviors are part of Necron society in which power is held by the cunning and the ruthless. At the height of its glory, the Necron Empire was a tapestry of countless interlocking dynasties, each making a crown world of its own its home. Though the Necrons have been awakening slowly for thousands of years, the number of dynasties rising to restore their former territories has surged in recent centuries. Many of the Awoken Dynasties have reached prominence, earning new reputations in the dying days of the 41st millennium. The Zarkon Dynasty is the Silent King's own, 
and those who belong to it are arrogant masters of Blackstone. The Sawtech dynasty is amongst the most ambitious and powerful. It's Phaeron Imotech, the Stormlord, seeking to unite all the Necron under his banner. The Mephrit's overlords once were famous for their arsenal of star-killing weaponry, and compete for power in the aftermath of their Pharaon's death. The Nephrek are masters of translocation beam, able to lead their armies from system to system with terrifying rapidity. Orcs. Tough, brutal, relentlessly thuggish, and impossibly numerous, the orcs are one of the most dangerous species in the galaxy. Driving on battle and mayhem, they have been a dire threat to humanity since before the dawn of the Imperium, their marauding warbands turning up in every corner of the galaxy. When the orcs attack, they fill the air with their bestial roars, the thunderous growls of revving engines, and the deep booms of their crude artillery. They sweep on like an onrushing tidal wave, wreathed in choking clouds of dust and filthy exhaust fumes. Mobs of orcs storm forwards clad in patchwork armor, swinging brutal weapons with savage joy. Many race into battle aboard armored trucks and wagons, whose gaping exhaust belch thick black smog even as their massive guns hammer furious and usually wildly inaccurate volleys of fire into the foe. As the orcs surge towards their foes, they display a singular lack of concern for the dangers they face or the casualties inflicted amongst their fellows. So inhumanly resilient is the orc physiology that they frequently ignore multiple gunshot wounds or even the loss of limbs in their eagerness to get to the fight. The explosive demise of their fellows' war engines or combat walkers, meanwhile, prompts little more than raucous cheers and catcalls from the orcs nearby. The carnage truly begins when the orcs reach the enemy lines. Numbers, momentum, and sheer ferocity combine into a thunderous charge more akin to a living avalanche than an attacking army. Orcs hack down opposing infantry with their choppas or turn them to bloody mulch with revving kill souls. They crush foes to death with brutal power claws or riddle them with fusillades of crude firepower at point-blank range. Every greenskin revels in the brutal anarchy of the action, not once slowing down in their joyful fury, egged on by the rest of the boys in their mob and by the mighty war bosses who lead them. Once an enemy is destroyed, the orcs set upon the corpses of the dead, Greenskin and foe alike, and the thousands of wrecked vehicles strewn across the battlefield, aiming to loot anything of value. A lump of twisted steel that will make for a perfect axe, orcs' teeth 
currency of the Greenskins, and entire tanks are all taken by the marauding Xenos. Fights amongst them are common, whether it be over the richest pickings, leadership of the various warbands, or very often out of sheer boredom now that the battle is over. These frequent brawls are a form of entertainment in their own right, with the diminutive Gretchen running between the legs of jeering boys, taking bets and enjoying seeing their larger, bullying cousins taking a beating for a change. Made up of so many highly competitive and violent warbands, tribes, and clans, the orc race has an immense propensity for infighting, and many imperial scholars assert strongly that this self-destructive behavior is the only thing stopping the Greenskins from taking over much of the galaxy. It takes a particularly large and powerful individual to steer Greenskins towards a common purpose, for orc society is one based on a simple hierarchy. Might is right, and biggest is best. The bigger and stronger a greenskin is, the more likely he will be in charge. The very biggest and strongest orcs conquer vast numbers of lesser tribes before folding them into their own, resulting in a great lag, a rampage that can be described as something between a holy war, invasion, and migration fit to drown entire star systems in wave upon wave of greenskins. In recent times, the Imperium has encountered more wags than ever before, thinning its depleted and overstretched defenses. Six major clans have been identified amongst orc society. The Goth clan consists of hulking black-clad brutes who specialize in close-quarter infantry assault. The speed-crazed evil sons race into battle on customized trucks, war bikes, and other vehicles fitted with all kinds of weird weapons and daubed with generous lashings of red paint, which the orcs believe make them go faster. The blood axes are viewed askance by other orcs and rarely trusted, for they engage in such unorky practices as planning their battles beforehand and wearing camouflage. Dobbed in lucky blue paint, the death skulls are looters and thieves supreme, while the bad moons are by far the richest orcs. Their fast-growing teeth allow them to buy the biggest guns and deck their vehicles with gold plating and flashy decorations. Traditionalists by orc standards, meanwhile, the snake bites favor simple forms of warfare. There are some who are outcast from their clans, known as freebooters. These piratical orcs rampage around the galaxy looking for loot and opportunities to sow mayhem and destruction. The orcs as a whole are not complex beings, and their society, for all its apparent barbarity, is a robust one. As long as there are foes to fight, the orcs will keep fighting them, spreading ever further across the stars until they are either defeated at last or conquer all. Hell Empire.
dynamic and supremely confident, the Tao have established a powerful empire built around their philosophy of the Tao Va, or greater good. Incredibly ambitious, they believe their fusion of ideology and military technology conquers all. To the Tao, there are only those who will embrace the Tao Va, and those who must be shown the error of their ways for failing to do so. United by their unshakable commitment to the Tao Va, the Tao believe, unreservedly, that it is their destiny to bring hope and enlightened rule to a benighted galaxy. With a highly developed and rapidly advancing mastery of technological innovation, their people have brought light to the darkness of bleak stars. The Tao do not hesitate to defend their ideology or propagate it on the field of battle. Where their armies of fire warriors and alien allies excel at applying enormous firepower and precisely coordinated strikes to cripple their enemies and bring them to their knees. The Tao society is made up of five castes. The water caste provides silken-voiced diplomats and wily traders. The earth caste provides fastidious scientists and assiduous logisticians. The air caste breeds daring pilots and tireless spacecraft crew. From the fire caste are drawn the Tao-skilled soldiery derived from the physically strongest of the Tao's race's original tribes. They have been selectively bred over centuries to further improve upon these natural advantages, so that each fire warrior is robust, aggressive, and courageous. Finally, the Tao are led by the ethereal caste, mysterious individuals of unknown origin who command respect and loyalty without question. Many Imperial observers suspect that that means by which the Ethereals have secured their rank and influence can only be nefarious, such as the devotion they inspire. The warriors of the Fire Caste are born and bred to be soldiers. Those who reach the highest ranks of command will have served the greater good for decades, and no fire warrior is permitted to leave the military except through old age or death. During their service, each warrior employs some of the most advanced war gear in the galaxy. The Earthcast scientists furnish them with enormously powerful weapon systems, highly advanced battle suits and armor, and even artificial intelligence systems that can serve in any role from reconnaissance to fire support. The Tao recognize that individually they may lack the sheer brawn of the Orc or the speed of the Eldari, but united by their ideology and backed by their technology, they know there is no foe they cannot defeat. On the battlefield, the Tau are masters of combined arms warfare. Squads of fire warriors lay down torrents of pulse rifle fire 
as veterans in crisis battle suits use their jetpacks to leap in and out of cover, blasting the enemy with a fearsome array of weapons. Hammerhead gunships destroy enemy armor with pinpoint railgun shots as swarms of seeker missiles hunt remorselessly for their targets. Overhead, nimble razor shark strike fighters duel with enemy aircraft as sun shark bombers ensure no ground target escapes the Tao's reach. Amongst the deadliest of all are the riptide battlesuits and storm surge artillery walkers, vast assets wielding some of the most advanced weapons in the Tau arsenal. Under their commander's wise leadership, these elements work closely together to bring about the most efficient defeat of the enemy. Never a numerous race, the Tau do not employ the tactics of attrition invented by the Astra Militarum, orcs or tyranids. While the tides of war may dictate sacrifice in the name of the greater good, no Tau military assets are considered disposable. All have a role to play, and the Tau avoid any kind of static defense or wasteful last stands unless left with no options. Even their fortifications are equipped with anti-grav units so that they are able to redeploy to advantageous battlefield positions. Tactical retreats or secure lives or create new avenues for achieving victory are seen as honorable and praiseworthy. The Tao approach to war is as philosophical as it is practical. Numerous strategies have been developed over many years that are carefully studied by every member of the Firecast. The collected wisdom of old heroes is ever a source of inspiration for Tau commanders, who can utilize arch of war such as the Montka, the Killing Blow, or the Kalyan, the Patient Hunter. Whichever philosophy is deemed best suited to destroying the foe in the given battlefield situation will be applied. Though they have conquered world after world in the name of the greater good, it is the Tau Empire's preference to assimilate alien races they discover rather than make war with them. Thanks to the lustrous diplomatic skill of the water caste, Many races have been welcomed into the embrace of the Tao Ma and become valued partners in furthering the great cause, including the Crute, Vespids, Terillians, Vikasar, and the Gaug. Even some human worlds have allowed themselves to be subsumed. The Imperium has not failed to notice that those who reject peaceful offerings of the Tao Empire are swiftly invaded and often destroyed. Thus is mankind reminded of the duplicity of the alien. No matter their winsome promises, they seek nothing but domination over mankind. With each distinct period of their empire's growth, known as spheres of expansion, the Tao have learned more of the horrors lurking amongst the stars. They have suffered incredible losses and devastating setbacks, but they remain undeterred. Nothing will prevent them from unifying the galaxy. 
Such is their tenacity that they continue to expand their stellar empire regardless of hardships or setbacks. With every victory, the town know they grow ever closer to fulfilling their destiny. Tyranids The Tyranids have invaded the galaxy from beyond the intergalactic void their high fleets slithering like tendrils into every region of the galaxy. Driven by the imperatives of the almighty hive mind, their swarms sweep over world after world in a living tide of biological killing machines and seek to devour every last shred of biomass in their path. Though only identified relatively recently, the Tyranid Hive fleets have quickly been recognized as one of the gravest threats to not only the Imperium, but to any form of life in the galaxy. Consisting of seemingly unending numbers of bioconstructs, ranging from microorganisms to colossal hive ships, each hive fleet advances relentlessly through the void. As it does so, it consumes all organic matter in its path, converting this biomass to yet more tyranid creatures and hive ships. In scant centuries, the Imperium has identified a multitude of these hive fleets, such as Behemoth, Kraken, Hydra, and Gorgon. Each has its own strategies and biomorphs many of which have manifested as swift generational adaptations in response to the strengths and tactics of the enemies that the Tyranid swarms face. The horror of a Tyranid assault on a prey world begins long before the first bioconstruct sets foot on the surface. The unfortunate planet is first engulfed in a psychic signal that renders it utterly silent all warp travel and communication made possible. This mysterious and dread phenomenon has been named the Shadow in the Warp, and it is the harbinger of doom. It leaves the people of Imperial worlds unable to escape their fate, or to call for reinforcements that might be their salvations. When the Tyranids strike the Prey World, is beset by endless waves of predatory creatures, each optimally adapted to overwhelm the specific forms of opposition arrayed against them. Many of these invaders are further enhanced with vicious biomorphs, ranging from toxin sacs and adrenal glands to wicked claws and grotesque biocannons. Even the Tyranids' weapons are living organisms, Firing frantically carnivorous beetles and larvae eager to burrow deep into flesh. In battle, leaping gaunt forms race ahead of towering carnifexes. Exocranes and other monsters, sky swarm bioforms soar over defenses, cutting defenders down with impunity. The myriad creatures of these swarms work in perfect synchronicity under the command of the Hive Tyrants and other Synapse creatures, psychic bioforms that combine the instinctive bestial tendencies of their charges to a single deadly will. There appears to be no end to the threat, 
Each year, more systems and subsectors are consumed. None know of the Tyranids' true origins, though speculations abound. Many learned individuals suggest the Tyranids may have already picked other galaxies clean, and that this one is simply the next in line. Others have proposed that what assails the Imperium today is but the earliest larval stages of what will become an unstoppable megaswarm of ravenous maws, razor-sharp talons, and chitinous beasts descending upon the galaxy like the Acridians of the ancient Terran myth. Some whisper in terror the high fleets are not independent and in some way are linked to some vast, unknowable intelligence. All any can agree on is that none truly know. All any can do is pray that the inundation of alien flesh that threatens to drown the galaxy will miraculously abate, though few allow themselves such a foolish hope. The Tyranids have but a single purpose and desire, to feed. They are not motivated by territorial gain or by fear of a kind of human might understand. Yet the hunger they feel is not mindless nor directionless. They are driven by a gestalt intelligence that the Imperium knows as the Hive Mind, and which guides them to fight and destroy any who bar their path. With every world consumed, every planet stripped of its biomass, the Tyranid Hive fleets gather ever greater might and churn out new waves of predatory beasts to continue their rapacious advance. As more and more Hive fleets appear on the galaxy's edges, so the true scale of this inimical threat becomes ever more terrifyingly apparent. Gene Stealer Cults Far from the prying eyes of the Imperium's harsh authorities, a sinister threat gathers its strength. The Gene Stealer Cults, worshippers of mysterious and ominous deities, undermine the roots of the worlds they dwell upon to pave the way for those they see as their liberators from beyond the stars. An unseen scourge, few threats to the Imperium are so insidious. A gene stealer cult begins with but a single claimed victim. Lone gene stealers, vanguard organisms of the Tyranid race, steal themselves away into the bowels of the Imperium's infrastructure. Neglected holds of deep space bulk haulers, abandoned manufactorum ducts, and the polluted tunnels and sumps of underhives all offer sanctuary to stalking gene stealers looking to spread tendrils of genetic corruption through unsuspecting human populations. Once a gene stealer infects its first victims, snatching them into the darkness and jabbing them with its dripping ovipositor, the infestation grows exponentially. The infected become enthralled to their new alien overlord, regarding it as an idol that will deliver them from whatever miseries they experienced in their former lives. Rude cycles follow, generations of loyal gene cultists spawning in service of their grotesque deity. Amongst them are bred officers, commanders, assassins, and lieutenants, genetically imbued with psychic abilities or vital specialist skills and knowledge. 
After the fifth generation, the cycle is begun anew as pure strain gene stealers are born, ready to bring other cities and worlds into Xeno's rapture. Knowing how many worlds across the Imperium have fallen victim to the scourge of the gene stealer cults, nigh impossible. To seek out such knowledge would be to invite despair enough to challenge the most resolute minds, or to understand even in part how far the corruption has spread is to see just how precarious the sanctity of the Emperor's realm truly is. Nevertheless, the agents of the Imperium seek just such information tirelessly. For nothing less than total eradication of the gene stealer cults is required. This crusade to discover the truth and annihilate the gene stealer scourge is motivated by one factor above all. The gene stealer cults act as psychic beacons to the Tyranid hive mind, drawing the hive fleets to densely populated worlds. As the cult grows larger and the Tyranids grow nearer, it will rise up against the Imperial rule to make way for their gods. By the time the uprising is declared, the cult's members have infiltrated multiple levels of government and its networks stretch across numerous civil and military organizations. When the order is given, the gene-stealer cultists strike. Those defenders still loyal to the Imperium find bridges destroyed, their ammunition stolen, and the fuel lines in their vehicles cut. Hundreds of senior officials and officers are ruthlessly struck down, those they once counted on as trusted advisors driving blades into their backs. Entire regiments judged steadfast in their allegiance to the Emperor turn their guns upon their fellows, sowing death and confusion before the loyalists can react. Those of the cult too alien in form to walk unnoticed in society are finally unleashed, striking from tunnels and abandoned structures, slaughtering their enemies with a combination of wicked claws and crude human weaponry. Hordes of foot soldiers are joined by civilian vehicles modified for battle with heavy weaponry. Being stealer cults are highly territorial, fighting tooth and claw with any who would dare challenge their ownership of a world. They rise up in the face of Xenos' invasion and clash viciously with gangs and chaos cults who threaten their positions. Those gene stealer cults with the strength and numbers to do so will even prosecute wider campaigns, becoming system or even sector spanning organizations that have developed their own distinctive ways of making war and conquering worlds. The cunning cult of the four-armed emperor, for example, are masters of the subterranean assault. The highly organized hive cult, on the other hand, prefer to infiltrate local military forces, while the weather-beaten rusted claws excel in the open field, making war as nomads from the backs of their rugged vehicles. When the Gene Stealer cults go to battle, they do so in the absolute certainty that their day of ascension has finally arrived. Their fanatical belief in the coming of the Star Children makes them a threat far greater than their ragtag appearance might suggest, one that may yet undermine the proud empire's vying to rule the stars. <laughs>